This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Welcome to Talking Travel on 2NURFM 103.7. And Sally Lucas, we have a special guest with a special subject today. We do, and I think, Jane, it's, it's quite relevant owing to recent news uh, from France regarding the battlefields during the First World War. So we have with us today Annette Lintou, who is an expert on the Somme battlefield area. And I just thought, just to read a little bit, I think you forget how awful that war was and how tragic and the conditions must have been atrocious. And just, you know, you read a little bit here to say that the first big battle was in Fromel on the 19th of July, 1916. Australians suffered 5,533 casualties in 24 hours. And by the end of the year, 42,270 Australians had been killed or wounded at the Battle of the Somme or other places on the Western Front. But, of course, we were involved in other battles as well, uh, Ypres and Messines, etc., Passchendaele. And eventually, of course, Germany surrendered and, of course, we were just preparing to... Um, to go back, and luckily we didn't have to, and withdrew. I think that's right, is it, Annette? I'll pass over to her now because I know Annette is the complete expert on this. Her and her husband Christian do these tours of the battlefields on a regular basis, and it's something she's studied since she was a little girl with her grandfather. So, Annette, over to you. Yes, indeed. Uh, my grandfather took me as a little girl to see the battlefields, and he cried a lot didn't say anything about his experience, but I had a feeling there was something, something happened. And of course, then you grow up and you don't think about uh, uh, the war anymore. You have other priorities as a teenager. Mm. And later on, when I met my husband and came to live in the middle of the battlefields, I had the opportunity to follow a course about the First World War. And I wanted to know what made all those veterans cry and mm. why they were mourning especially mm. every year on the Remembrance Days mm. and they were different for the French for the Australians and uh, for the Belgians but everyone had somebody in his, his relative uh, to um, remember mm. and it was so tragic as you say and you were mentioning earlier when we weren't on air and that sometimes even the people fighting didn't realise where they were because it spread into Belgium as well as France. So it wasn't just France involved in these battles and, and often I guess they're disoriented and had no idea sometimes where they were. Yeah, that is correct uh, because uh, Australians, uh, the first ones who arrived, they arrived in Marseille, then they mm-hmm. took the train all the way up to the north, mm-hmm. Etaple, they used to call it eat apples. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> eat nice? Apples. That's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and um, from there, there was a dispatching and um, they were transferred to the area of um, Armentieres. Everyone knows that mm-hmm. because of the song, Mademoiselle from Armentieres. Yeah, yes. And uh, from there, that was a central position between, let's say, the Somme and Flanders. But Poor guys, they didn't know, especially Australians, that they were crossing a border because for Australians, Mm. you cross a border when you cross the water. But in Europe, you cross the border walking. Yes, So they didn't realize they were in another country. And there's a lot to see there. Just looking at some of the itineraries you do, I mean, you've got day trips, you know, up to the the four-day package and also one to um, include 
Anzac Day as well now. So that's interesting. So what is a typical, if you like, maybe some battlefield tour that you would do over a four-day, three-night period? Well, during that period, we like to give a complete uh, impression what happened during uh, the time that the Australians were fighting uh, in the Western Front. And that includes the Somme area and uh, Flanders. Mm -hmm. There are a couple interesting museums, um, interactive museums, like in Flanders Fields. And there are um, lots of uh, very important um, uh, cemeteries and locations. Villa Bretonneux is probably the most famous for the Australians. Mm. And that is because the battle who happened in Villa Bretonneux was on the 25th of April 1918. So that was the third anniversary of mm. um, the Battle of Gallipoli. Yes. And because of that, that is the second place where the Australians remember uh, mm. what happened uh, in Gallipoli, but also in France and in Flanders. And now since two years, they organize, the French organize a very um, good ceremony, a dawn service. That would be very special. I mean, we've heard about Gallipoli for years, of course, and, and the services they hold there every year. But I guess it would be very moving for people to go there, particularly if that's where their descendants had fought, rather than Gallipoli, where maybe they were just doing that to remember, but might not have had, you know, I mean, a relative there. So I think, therefore, by doing this now, it, it would be quite a, a wonderful thing for them to be able to go back. And as you said, uh, Annette's done a little bit of research on Newcastle people who fought in the war and she knows that there was quite a lot did fight in these wars so hopefully there'll be some descendants out there that might learn a little bit that they didn't know or it might encourage them to to dis discover maybe a little bit more about what happened during that period so Annette we'll just hold it there for a moment if that's okay and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about what they are doing on these tours shortly okay to NURFM 103.7, travel is the subject and today it's travel to a very special part of the world, a part with special meaning for a lot of Australians. Sally Lucas? Hi again, Jane. Yes, um, we're just going to continue with Annette, who is a guide, as we've mentioned before, of the Somme battlefield, and she's very, very experienced in this area. And I just thought we'd just like her to take us through a couple of these special things that they do on the tour, whether it be, I noticed something about trenches, which I thought was interesting, landscape you mentioned, um, museums, what would they entail, what do they see, what can they expect to see? So maybe if you could take us through a few of those. Yes, of course. Uh, the first thing, when you arrive in uh, the area of the battlefields, you see a very nice green landscape. And mm. visiting it, the area on your own, you don't realize what happened there during the war. Mm. So little by little, I explain to the people um, what happened, especially during the war, and how the landscape was destroyed by using so many artillery pieces and mm. sometimes more than four million before uh, the um, uh, infantry uh, started to fight. Wow. So that destroyed the landscape and then it started to rain and that is mm. the reason there was so much mud. Mm. But the water stayed. It is different in Flanders than in the Somme. In the Somme, it is a chalky mark, mud, sorry. Mm -hmm. mm. And uh, in Flanders, it is a clay mud. Mm. And um, because we have layers of uh, clay only uh, 60 centimeters below the surface, the water didn't go through. The drainage system was uh, destroyed. Mm. And the poor men very often 
drowned in the mud. That's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why so many disappeared have no known grave. Mm, we see bunkers from both sides and I can show how close they was to each other, how difficult it was to have to take yeah, a ridge who was only mm. maybe uh, 100 or 200 meters apart from uh, the starting, the jump off position like the mm. generals used to call it. Wow, that's just amazing, isn't it? I mean, we've seen, I guess, movies made of this time and we've seen books and photos and it it did look pretty awful, but you don't realise how close together they were fighting. And, of course, that doesn't happen as much in warfare today, of course, as it did then. Yeah, but you can see the result when you go and visit the area. They are in certain areas, the area where I live, in um, radius 10 kilometres around where I live, 170 cemeteries from the First World War only, and that represents 280,000 headstones. There are more dead people in that area than people who are alive. There is only uh, 150,000 inhabitants in that area. So every day, day after day, we see the evidence of um, what happened there during the First World War. It was quite, as you say, an amazing war and one that, of course, I don't think we'll ever see again like that anymore. Of course, that that style of war anyway is is long gone and um, they must have been to hell and back a lot of those people. But I guess a lot of the descendants do get, I guess, some sort of closure if they can go and maybe um, just, just feel that they can experience somehow a little of what their descendants went through. And, you know, they were doing it at the time, you know, we were supporting Britain and good old Australia. We get out there and support all sorts of people in wars, don't we? But, I mean, I know that France has an extreme soft spot for Aussies and particularly in this area where, as you've mentioned earlier uh, to me privately, that there are schools, streets, all sorts of things with Australian names. Yeah, that is Villa Bottonneux. And when you come into school... um, you can see on the playground, um, don't forget Australia. Uh, the Australians have a nice feeling. They feel almost like uh, coming home when uh, they are mm. in those places. Mm. Yes, I know they're really well received, I've heard, when they go to these areas by the French people. That they, even though they're descendants of, of the people who were during the war, they weren't, you know, they're probably none of them alive anymore, of course, but they obviously have had that information passed down to them of how the Australians fought and, and, you know, did a lot of good, I suppose, for the French people during that time. Oh, yes, we experienced once a lady, uh, oh, she is 98 years old now, wow. and um, when she knows that I'm coming with Australians, uh, she always will be in the restaurant where we go. Uh, the restaurant is called Le Kangaroo, so that is another <laughs> <laughs> another proof oh. that uh, they think about uh, Australians there, and she uh, always there to welcome the Australians. That's yeah. fantastic, Annette. You've given us a big insight today. And these tours are they operate on demand or fixed dates? Well, we have um, a tour always uh, organised uh, on Anzac Day, mm-hmm. and uh, it starts on the twenty-third of uh, April. April, mm-hmm. and um, well, it covers four days. Of course, that is the uh, special time to do the tour because mm. uh, it includes the dawn service. 
but for people who cannot travel in um, that period, yes. uh, it can be done on demand all the time. Oh, great. Except That's during Christmas and New Year. Of course, we understand that. Well, Annette, it's been fabulous having you on the show today and, I mean, giving up some of your time. It's your first visit to Australia and you've, she's told me already it's not going to be her last. Um, we might have to do some reciprocal because I'm dying to get back to France. So <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on the show today and I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of what you've been discussing about those Somme battlefields. Thank you again. Thank you. And that's Talking Travel for today. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. I'm Jane Klein, and we will be back next Friday Talking Travel after the 1 o'clock news here on 2NURFM 103.7.